and airstrikes. We risk seeing that or more in the days ahead if there isn't oh. urgent action by world leaders to end these atrocities. Omar Shakir of Human Rights Watch, we thank you so much for being with us. And we wrap by saying happy birthday to Renee Feltz. For an hour's worth of soundtracks and movie music, join me, Tom Skelly, as I turn over every stone to unearth music for the stage and screen. It's all handcrafted radio on the sound of pictures every Sunday from 7 till 8 in the morning and archived anytime if you're not an early morning riser. You're listening to X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland at 91.1 FM, K296 FT West Haven serving Portland at 107.1 FM, and K219 KU Nehalem serving Nehalem, Manzanita, and Rockaway Beach at 91.7 FM, streaming live and archived at xray.fm. Radio is yours. And now, it's time for Blazer's Edge. Blake to inbound. The Blazers have a 20-second timeout. Nate McMillan deciding whether to use it. Blake now throws to Roy. Brandon, a three-pointer out front. Hit it! Yes, he did! Oh, yeah! Batum throws to Lillard. A three for the game. Hey, hey, welcome in to another edition of Blazers Edge Radio right here on X-Ray FM. I'm your host, Ryan Buchanan, joined by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Sam Arnold. We've got Stephen Glickman working hard behind the scenes, running everything, keeping us keeping us going here today. Sam, first things first, how you doing? Man, it's a uh, final home stretch coming up into the holidays here. Uh, I have very little shopping done, so... Mm. I've got a I've got yeah, a get, busy week ahead get of going, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get working on that. But outside of that, uh, outside of that, I'm doing good. You're doing, good? doing how good. How about uh, how about your blazer watching? How's how's that going? I mean, we all know how that's going, right? <laughs> it's it's seven in a row now yeah. in terms of the uh, losses. Team now sits at six and nineteen, and it seems like every time you think that they've kind of turned a corner, they turn the other way. Yeah, and I will say, I mean kind of echoing the sentiment that I feel like is going to be the theme for this year is we lose a lot of games. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but most of them are competitive. And it's just, you know, it's it's frustrating as a fan of a team that has been a perennially competitive team. I mean, the last couple years have been maybe the first time in franchise history that this team has actively tried to lose games and tank, but it's 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 kind of tough to watch as a Blazers fan just because you're so used to to being competitive and when you get these close games you you want them to win obviously but I mean a loss isn't the worst thing this season the more we lose the better draft pick we're gonna get and what we end up doing with that draft pick this year 
remains to be seen, but yeah, I don't think it's the worst thing that we're losing all these games. You got to take a big picture approach. Yeah, for sure. And the the big thing I've been watching over the last handful of games is the evolution of Scoot Henderson. Yeah, because um, he had, you know, coming back from the injury, he really struggled for a few games, and then it really started to click for him. I want to say uh, the game against the Clippers was when he had that career high of 19 points. Um, and then he's really just kept things going since then. Uh, he, he upped that career high with 23 points, 10 assists against the Utah Jazz the very next game. Uh, followed that up with over 50% shooting on Saturday. Sunday he was 4 of 9, 14 points off the bench against Gold, Golden State. Well, he's cut down on his turnovers. We're really seeing him start to kind of find his way as an NBA player after some early struggles and then the setback with the injury and then, you know, coming back, looking a bit rusty, and now it seems like he's really found his groove. So talk about what you've uh, what you've been enjoying watching out of him. Yeah, the, the development has been very encouraging, especially on the offensive end of the floor because this is a guy who, who you want and you expect to see these explosive plays out of. And the fact that we're getting more of that and the shooting is looking at least marginally better. I mean, he's still pretty inconsistent, but, you know, he's had a couple games with decent shooting numbers. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm just wondering when and if he's going to start. That's that's what I'm curious about. I know Chauncey mentioned after, I believe it was the Dallas game, that as for now, the plan is to bring him off the bench. Yeah, so. which, I mean, that's I, – I guess when you're running Ant and Shaden, and both of them have been playing – most of the games very well. Um, yeah. Shaden's gone through a little bit of a slump. Yeah, yeah. And then Ant had that game. Um, that was the Golden State game recently uh, where he he didn't look too great. But No, he turned it on late in that one. That yeah. was a game where he struggled for a lot of it. He turned it on late to make things close. Yeah. Um, that was coming after the the huge game against the Jazz, mm-hmm. where he was going, or the Mavs, sorry, where he was going toe to toe with Luka Doncic. Not n- almost nobody stepped up against the Utah Jazz. <laughs> I was at that game. Scoot had a nice game, but yeah. other than that, uh, that was a absolute bloodbath. Don't be fooled by the score if you didn't catch that one. Utah won by eight, but they were up by thirty for most of the second half of that game. That was a that was a real clunker for the Blazers outside of the performance from Scoot Henderson. But yeah, I mean. I'm fine with Scoot coming off the bench. The weird thing right now, Sam, is that you've got both Scoot and Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench together. Yeah. So you've got kind of two point, like, right now you've got, because clearly they still view Anthony Simons as a point guard. Mm -hmm. So right now you've got three ball-dominant point guards. Right. And I feel like Malcolm Brogdon has kind of been neutralized, whereas we're not really seeing much of an impact because they want to get the ball in Scoot's hands and I just I wonder if there's a better way to work out these rotations I mean the better way is is to probably trade Malcolm Brogdon ASAP Mm -hmm. because his value is only going to keep getting lower if if you are trying to develop Scoot which is what we should be doing yeah um so yeah I mean maybe try to get Brogdon to a team who's kind of in that middle of the race uh who could use a a distributor or a backup point guard even. I mean, I don't know who that would be. I don't know if, if, if they've been trying to field any offers right now, but I can't imagine Malcolm Brogdon's value is going to get higher as the season goes on the way things are looking. Yeah. 
I mean, I wouldn't imagine so, but and it's pretty good right now because he's had he had a really nice start to the year, and then now that everybody you know with the injuries, it kind of worked itself out because it was there's always so many guards, everybody was always out. Now that everybody's healthy, you've got kind of this weird situation. What I would really like to see is, and I don't think it's going to happen. I would like to see a starting uh, guard rotation of Malcolm and Ant. Mm-hmm. Ant is the two guard, and then you bring Scoot and Shaden together off the bench because I'd like to see them get as much run together as humanly yeah. possible. That's what I'd like to see. That I feel like be. we haven't really seen that yet, but if I had to pick what I kind of figuring out those four, that would make the most sense for me. You've got the two more experienced guys working together, and then you've got the two younger guys working together as well, kind of a first team, second team. Uh, type of deal. I think that's a good call as long as Brogdon starting doesn't mean he's playing 30 minutes a night because I still don't want Brogdon playing 30 minutes a night because these other the young players need right. to get their run. But I, I, I totally agree with you. I want to see as much of Scoot and Shaden together as possible. And you're, you're right. We really haven't seen that two-man game develop at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough because Obviously, starting Brogdon, he's he's the best playmaker on your team. Um, oh yeah, no so question. if if you're starting him, you're a more competitive team. So maybe that's why they're not starting him because maybe they want to dig themselves a little hole so they can actually. I mean, at that point, you might as well just not play him. Though. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, why, that's what I'm why, saying. Yeah. I would I would trade him at this. If point. that's your if that's your route, then you might as well just sit him. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I mean, you're part of it is trying to you know you got to keep playing them to to keep the trade value up yeah. but i i just don't see a scenario with everybody healthy in which it makes sense to hold on to him past the trade deadline oh yeah yeah i i mean honestly i you could make an argument that it doesn't make sense to hold on to him past the end of this month i i don't think that like i was saying i really don't think his value is getting any higher i yeah. mean he's i just wonder if you know, teams know that deadline's coming. They're not going to overpay now, where yeah. you can get more of that desperation at the deadline. Yeah, it's 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 a gamble though, because then you're saying, you know, is is Malcolm Brogdon's value right now the same as what it's going to be at the trade deadline? It's probably a lot higher right now. So, well, if you're looking at the last handful of games, yeah, it's trending downward. Yeah, definitely trending downward. So, if you then think about like predict where he's going to be as a player and in the rotation come February I mean this is he, he's gonna have a minimal role and t- teams will still want him because they know who he is but I feel like especially the numbers he was producing at the earlier part of the season where he looked really really good we're we're not seeing that level of production anymore so NBA teams are now going to be thinking like wait which Malcolm Brogdon am I going to get I'm looking at a team right now. See if you can guess who I'm looking at. They're in the east. They're in the middle of the pack. You're talking Cleveland? I'm talking Cleveland because yeah. Garland's Garland going to be out, out for a while. Yep. I was thinking about Cleveland They're earlier, They're hovering too. around 500. Yeah. Looking for a spark yep. in a crowded, you know, that crowded Eastern Conference where they're looking more and more irrelevant, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not – you don't think of them – when you think of the east right now, you think of three teams. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, it's, and if you're thinking of a fourth, you're probably thinking – <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> you're not. You're, you're not. Because you're not. Orlando's not going to stay there. No. There's no way. It's a three-team race. It's a three-team yeah. race. 100%. But Cleveland, with their trajectory, they should be in there, yeah. is my point. Yeah. Now, I know they've they've been 
decimated by injuries this year, but mm-hmm. this is the like they're in their window right now. Yep. They went out and they got Donovan Mitchell. He's having a great year. You know, I know Mobley's going to be out for a while. Garland's going to be out for a while, but you still got Jared Allen. You still got um, Donovan Mitchell. You know, you went out and you got Max Struess in free agency. I, I I don't think that they're in a situation where they're just ready to give up on this year. Right. So that would be a team that would make a lot of sense for me. Now the other, the question with that is who do they have to offer in return for Malcolm Brogdon? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at their roster, they're they're obviously keeping their core together. Their their problem is they don't have a lot of depth. Yeah. And they're exactly. not going to trade any of their core guys, so you're talking draft picks at yeah. that point. Yeah. Um which isn't the worst thing. No, it's not. You can do a lot worse than that. Uh I'd like first round picks as opposed to second round picks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking back at the Gary Payton deal. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, I mean, that's a team that I think could make a lot, if you're talking now, because they're looking to, they're kind of hanging on by a thread right now mm-hmm. uh, in that in that Eastern Conference. And I think that's something that could really not only boost their team, but kind of boost morale as well with kind of their, they feel like they're a team that's kind of down in the dumps with all the injuries and the season hasn't gone the way it started. Um is a sort of has a Memphis feel to it, not nearly as extreme as Memphis is just having an awful year, but it feels like you're starting to wonder now, like, has this team already met their ceiling, right? Yeah. Where these these promising young teams that you think like, oh, they're ahead of schedule, they're going to be great for years to come, and then you realize that that second or third year was, was the high watermark. Yeah, well, and you really hit on it. I mean, the problem with this team is the depth because out, that starting group, I mean, at least those those starting four. Went healthy, yeah. Yeah, never been super confident in whoever they decide to start at the three. But Yeah, I mean, Struess has been he's been good. better than yeah. Okoro. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but that's always, that's been their Achilles heel for the, you know, since they've had this team is the is the small forward. Yeah, and outside of – your your four main guys with Garland and Mitchell and Mobley and Jared Allen, I mean you you basically have Karis Levert, yeah, and then you don't have anybody you can really rely on anymore. I mean it's it's pretty bad when it feels like this team is missing a guy like Chetty Osman. I mean this is like <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> you know like, he was probably the next guy to yeah. be honest, yeah. <laughs> so I, I where is Chet? I know he's he's still in San Antonio Chet- now. Okay, is he still- yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, don't know. After I, that, I, you're looking at like George Niang, right? Yeah, Dean Wade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's big, not going to get it big done. names. Sam um, Merrill, <laughs> Tristan Thompson. Anybody? Yep. yep yeah. Yep. And and now with the injuries, it's been exasperated because they had a team that was exactly. already they were, like their starting lineup right now: Jared Allen, Dean Wade, Isaac Okoro, Max Struess, Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. That's not going to get it done. No. You add in a guy like Brogdon to that, though. Now you can let Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. play his actual position. You have a distributor. Slide him up. You slide yeah. Struce back up. Bring a Coral back off the bench. And this, these are the kinds of things where if I'm at the Blazers, I'm saying, hey, what do you know? Our two timelines line up perfectly. This mm-hmm. team can't afford to lose a lot of games. Yeah. We want to deal this guy while his value is still high. But I don't know. Blazers have stumped me a number of times with their front office yeah. decisions. So. Who knows? Malcolm Brogdon might be on the team next year. <laughs> we don't that know. That would be a wasted <laughs> opportunity with all due respect. Yeah. For him, too. I mean, Definitely. I can't imagine. I know he's putting on a happy face, but I yeah. can't imagine he's, especially with the reduced role now, yeah. I can't imagine he's having a great time. Yeah. Uh, you go from the Celtics last year to mm-hmm. the to this. Like, mm-hmm. 
and he's in the prime of his career. Yeah. So it would be it would benefit both parties. Yeah. Right? And it's a bummer because I I very genuinely like Malcolm Brogdon, and on any competitive team, I'd be thrilled to have him. Right. But it just doesn't make sense with this. Roster. And he's at the worst possible position for you because yes. that's the position yes. you're trying to develop. Exactly. Exactly. Like, if you're going to do that, you might as well have kept Damian Lillard around. Right. <laughs> Brought him <laughs> off the bench. <laughs> exactly. If you're not, you're like, this is the, yeah, this is kind of the, the situation as it is. But, yeah, I, I'm looking at Cleveland. And to me, Sam, Cleveland is, I didn't expect to talk about Cleveland much, but mm. I, I saw him staring there because I, I was thinking, like, who would make sense to trade now? And it, it is them. They're not in, they're not a championship or bust team. But they're very much in win now mode. Like they, yeah. you feel like they're past the rebuilding stage. Yeah. Right. They're in their they're in their competitive window right now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I, why they I would make a, the most sense for me. I got another team that's that's hurting at okay. the guard position right now. Who you got Phoenix Suns. <laughs> they're they're hurting bad at the guard position, and you know Booker's been great running the point, but. You still need depth. (laughs) Well, that was the whole key coming into this season for them was you said when you put your super team together, the one thing you can't deal with is injuries. And they've, you know, Bradley Beal's played, what, seven games? Something like that. I mean. And if that. If that, yeah. But, I mean, you talk about a team that has nothing to offer. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I mean, they have less than Cleveland. Yeah. You know, they've been stripped for parts to, to, uh, to get this roster together, and now they can't keep it healthy. Um, you don't want to bring in Bull Bull. <laughs> I don't want to trade for Bull Bull. I wouldn't mind a, a two way contract for him <laughs> or something, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, taking him as the centerpiece for a Malcolm hey, Brogdon trade. At this point, you know Phoenix, their draft picks looking better than Cleveland's. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> if know. they stay on that trajectory, which is crazy to point, think yeah. about, this is standings at this point of the year are, are absolutely insane. Yeah, if you look at the Western Conference right now, the Timberwolves are still holding strong. Yeah. In fact, they've got a three-game lead. Yeah. You know, they we fully expect them to go away, but they haven't gone away yet. Yeah. Nine they're and one and over five, the last yeah. Ten. Three in a row, nine and one in their last ten. They're eleven and one at home this year. Of course, the the vaunted home court advantage of the Target Center that we always talk about is <laughs> yeah. Oh, is yeah. in full effect legendary. this year. Yeah, legendary status. <laughs> uh, and then Thunder in second, Nuggets right there. We really, you've got a quagmire after that yeah. um, of just a bunch of teams bunched up, right, kind of hovering around a few games over 500, and then uh, scroll down a little bit further, and you've got the likes of the the Grizzlies and the Blazers and the Spurs who are bringing up the rear. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Job Morant back tonight. Yeah. Um, Grizzlies right now sit at six and nineteen, which is the same record as the Blazers. Um, and they are in win now mode as well. Uh, now Marcus Smart, who they brought in to be the the John Morant replacement, at least for the start of the year, has been hurt for a while. Um, do you have any faith that Jaw coming back after this extended absence is going to change their fortunes this year, or is this a lost cause? I mean, it's probably a lot. I d- I don't see how they dig themselves out of this hole with the way the Western Conference is looking because essentially and. I mean, you could even make a point to to lump Golden State in this bunch, but th- these teams—they're petering from, on that right now. Yeah, they're yeah. they're twelve and fourteen, but they're yeah. If the if the play-in started today, the Warriors wouldn't be in it. Right. They're two back of the Rockets. Yeah, which is oh insane, insane. <laughs> but you look at essentially positions four through ten and add in Golden State if you want, if you feel good about them. I don't see Memphis being able to make up enough games to catch any of those teams because everybody 
is competitive. Yeah. Even Houston, for some reason, is competitive they, this year. They, they're another team like – I know they're only 13-11, and 11, but we expect them to be really bad. Yeah. So that 13-11 and 11 looks a lot better than your run-of-the-mill – 13 11 you know i would have expected them to be in a 6 and 19 situation yeah in falling off i mean i'm, I'm shocked that they've been able to hang at it this long talk about legendary home court advantages there's another team tied for the best home record in the western conference the rockets yeah 11 and 1 and i think the worst away record in in the conference no they can't win that pretty, pretty close to it yeah that's why they call cluck city right yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> that's why they call it that yeah it's uh the standings are weird right now i'm Very looking at weird. the pelicans too you know they've uh two of the hottest teams right now pelicans and the clippers mm-hmm. uh don't look now clippers have won eight in a row yep um so it's a, a very weird year, uh, standings wise in the in the Western Conference East. Again, you've got your your three front runners, and then it's you know who's playing for fourth at this point. Yeah. Uh, but the West, it's once again, I feel like we said this every year, but it's it's wide open. Yeah. You know, once you get past that, right now you've got again, yeah, you've got ten, possibly eleven teams in there. If you're you know depending on what happens with Golden State, and then you've got the the drop-off where you go Jazz, Grizzlies, Blazers, and Spurs. Now, what are you expecting out of John Morant kind of personally on the court? Because he's, oh, he's had an extended time off here. I I really don't know what to expect out of him. Yeah, I mean, I got to imagine a guy like him is going to come back with a chip on his shoulder. Um, yeah, I'd, it's going to be really interesting these first few games because their roster is pretty different. Um, just seeing how he fits in. Now, the two-man game with him and Bain will still be effective, and it was very good last year. So, I don't know. I, I could see Memphis sliding up into that play-in range. I don't think they're going to be nearly as good as I predicted, or no. I can't remember where you had them, but... I, I had them play squarely in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I don't think they're going to be that team this year, which is... You know, I, I thought they'd at least be able to kind of tread water with yeah, Marcus that, Smart. But that's what I – yeah, I thought, I you know, know, you tread water, you get job back, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I would have never expected they'd be this bad. Yeah. And Bain's playing well. He is. So that's the that's the weird part about it is that Desmond Bain's having a good year, and they are just one of the real question marks. Do you think that – uh you know, Taylor Jenkins, we keep talking about him in the last couple of years in our Coach of the Year uh, discussions. Do you mm-hmm. – would you imagine at this point he's in any kind of hot water? Is he built up enough goodwill that they're gonna Ooh. give him a give him a longer leash here? I I think he's he's definitely got to be in hot water. I think they give him through the season, but if if this team is like a a nine or a ten seed, I I wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of him because so say they get to the play and they don't make the actual playoffs. Yeah, then I th- I think you're probably getting rid of him because at this point, like. You're you're basically saying my my coach isn't doing enough to help a battered roster win games. So if you're purely relying on Ja Morant, why would Taylor Jenkins be getting any of the credit for that? So I would need to see a pretty drastic shift. If they start, you know, if they win 15 games in a row or something right. insane like that, then he's in the coach of the year conversation again. But oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, if they turn this thing around, no yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, he's he's probably becomes your front runner. Right. All of a sudden, but um, yeah, I mean, the way they're looking right now, I I mean, I know they got off to a bad start. I was like, oh, what's going on? But the fact that it's this late into the year, you know, we're almost to Christmas and they still have not figured it out remotely. Yeah. And you know, Jaws coming back and that how that's going to play out. If this goes south. 
you know, say Jock comes back, he looks rusty, say God forbid he has another incident, I could see them just blowing this thing up. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. And that's crazy to think about if you even go back a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. To think that, the like, where they're at right now based on where they were, and it was, you know, oh, my God, they're ahead of – even last year. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're ahead of schedule, and yep. they're the darlings of the NBA, and just they've completely – Falling off of the radar. I mean, they were they were a dark horse finals candidate. Yeah, and now they're the same as the Blazers. <laughs> Literally, is, same record yeah, as the Blazers, who traded away crazy. their franchise best all time player. Yeah, that is just is shocking. It's been a shocking development in Memphis, to say the least. Let's take a little bit of a deep dive into uh, the last couple Blazer games, Sam, because uh, you've been against you know teams you think are competitive. Certainly the Mavs have been competitive. Warriors, Mm -hmm. we talked about, you know, you still got to consider them as competitive. They've got their own issues going on that we'll talk about a little bit later. But you're you're going up against a a solid team in the Mavericks that certainly don't look like they miss Kyrie Irving at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Luca, (laughs) I got to be honest, we handed out our quarter season awards um, last week and I gave it to Joel. Yeah. I'm in the uh, quarter season plus one. I might have to give it to Luca, man. Yeah. He is just watching this game, and I know he's been doing it all year, but just watching it, the full game, and just watching how he just takes over a game, and you can't stop him is just triple double in this one. Forty points, twelve boards, ten assists. Clearly doesn't need, and it keep it keeps making me like go back and thinking. You didn't need Kyrie Irving on this team with with the type of player that I mean it's it from a interpersonal standpoint it's worked out there haven't been any major blowups but yeah. you know you, you traded away some some good role players to get Kyrie Irving whereas you've got Luca and well, the other thing is I mean Luca's stays healthy yeah he does right so it's not like you need somebody for you know Luca's gonna miss you know Pencilman fifteen to twenty nights a year he's gonna miss like he plays almost every night. And so it's it's puzzling to me looking back again as to just why the Mavs made that trade. And they're they're having a good record this year, 16 to 9, but I just can't help but feel that their roster would be better constructed with more of the, you know, that Dorian Finney-Smith and and other role players that they sent out as opposed to having mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving when you've got, you know, one of probably the best ball dominant player in the league right now in Luka Doncic. Yeah. Why would you do anything to take the ball out of his hands? Yeah, and you know, to the Mavs' credit, I I think they've they've done some kind of savvy moves. I think Derek people, Jones is worked Jones out. We talked about good. that. Yeah, he's been a big um, pickup. Dante Exum. Dante Exum's sneaky been good fantastic lately. Yeah. And filling in for Kyrie Irving, he's, he's killed like, the Blazers yeah. the last couple games. Yeah. He's, and he's, I mean, I feel like yeah, for for Luca, like he's a great fit alongside Luca. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So it's it's just puzzling to me going back and like like why did they make that trade? Mm-hmm. I just still don't even though it hasn't, you know, gone nearly as far south as I thought it would. Although, right. you know, last season they certainly fell off in right. terms of the standings, but there hasn't been any major incidents. But you it's just still puzzling. I just still can't can't put my finger on why they kind of made that that panic move. Yeah, I mean it it doesn't make a ton of sense, but again to their credit, they're they're kind of where they were I mean, if you look where they are literally today with Kyrie Irving injured, this roster looks pretty similar to where it was 
yeah. pre-Kyrie Irving. I mean, bringing in Derek Jones helps a lot. Grant Williams, I think, helps. I don't think he's been nearly as good as people were hoping he was going to be. No, but he brings that... He brings the intangibles. It's it's that kind of like Dorian Finney-Smith type player that you're bringing in who can play defense, and, who can hit and the he, three. And he's got that edge, too. Yeah, he does. And he's got the playoff experience. I think he's got – I think it was more, you know, not necessarily the statistical output that they're looking for him. It was, yeah, the, the intangibles and just kind of that that edge. He played that Draymond-esque kind of, yeah. kind of play that yeah. you need a guy like that. Yeah. Right? And you have a guy still in Tim Hardaway Jr. who can be a spark plug off your bench. He's, yeah. I mean, definitely a streaky shooter. He can have games that blow you out of the water, and then he can shoot like 10% in a game. And, you know, to have a roster that's built like this, and I think, like you were saying, a big part is Derek Jones. He's been a great role player for them. Dante Exum coming in, stepping in for Kyrie. You just have guys that can fill these these holes in the roster. And Derek Lively's been a, a huge yeah, yeah. Uh, upgrade at center. Yeah, he's he's looked very good for them. And that was a pick that was, at the time, it was like, because he did not have a good first year at Duke. It was like, a whoa, that's a yeah. that's a reach to take. But that that was their guy. They viewed him as their starting center, and to this point, it's worked out. Yeah, he's and and him and Luca are developing some good chemistry mm-hmm. already. He's the exact kind of center you want for Luca's athletic rim runner who can catch lobs. That's all you need for Luca. So yeah, I mean, this team right now without Kyrie Irving is still very good. So you add Kyrie Irving back, you, you expect at least to take a little step forward or at least a little pressure off of Luka. And, hey, if it doesn't work, maybe trade Kyrie Irving to somebody else and just build up your depth again because you're you're still looking pretty good with or without Kyrie Irving right now. <laughs> you think it, I mean, even though nothing's happened, do you think anybody still would? Yeah, somebody would. Cleveland? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. See, it's, it, there's. A, I, th- I guess the thing I should th- I should know by now is that there is always going to be a team desperate enough to trade for a Kyrie Irving yep. or a James Harden. Yeah, I yeah. guess we should. I shouldn't keep being surprised when it happens because right. it it keeps happening. There's always going to be somebody desperate enough, especially if he hasn't really done anything. So you know, there you don't have all that as much baggage as you had when, yeah, uh, exactly. say, they brought him in. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, that makes it probably a little more palatable for uh, for a team to try to bring him in. So I'm very curious to see what happens with that. Yeah, but there really has not been much of a drop-off at all with him out of the lineup in the right. last handful of games. Now, going back to the Blazers' perspective, Sam, it's interesting because Jabari Walker, who's had a really strong year, is kind of now falling out of the rotation. Is with a healthy roster... Chauncey's having trouble kind of figuring out who his guys are. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> because we go from Jabari Walker was playing 25 to 30 minutes a night. Yeah. Now he's down to five. You know, why is he playing five if Dwap Reith is playing 15? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Dallas's center, backup center is Dwight Powell. He's not huge. Right. You know, I think you're fine with Jabari Walker. In this scenario, I just uh, I'm a bit puzzled. You know, Scoot playing the same amount of minutes as Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, it's it's just a bit puzzling to me these rotations the last couple of games as he's figuring figuring kind of this lineup back out. And I I just you know he's and he said he wants to go with a nine man rotation where you've got obviously your clearly his starters right now: Da Grant back Kamara. Shaden and Ant, mm-hmm. and then your your solid three off your bench: your Brogdon, Tybal, who's been 
I think we got to give him a lot of credit because he's looked really, really good. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as he didn't look that great in the starting lineup, since coming off the bench, he has been huge, and he's been a huge role player. And he's still not that old either, so he's definitely a guy I think that clearly has a future with this team, and his three-point shot has drastically improved. Yeah, it has. They've been talking about He's turned into a legitimate Mm 3-and-D guy. So that's been a key revelation. So him, Scoot, and Brogdon off the bench, and then it's kind of on a night-by-night basis depending on matchup, whether you're going Moses Brown if you need a, a lot of length or you're going Duop or you're going Jabari Walker. And I I just don't see how Jabari is – I, I, A, I don't know why you have to stick to a nine-man. I, I think that, you know, if Jabari deserves to be out there getting some run with the way he's played. I don't Definitely. think he should be in a three-man rotation with the likes of Duop, Reith, and – Moses Brown. I yeah. think that's a disservice to Jabari Walker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else do you make of these kind of the rotations that we've seen in the last couple of games? Because he, he did play a little bit more, 15 minutes, uh, as he was in that nine-man rotation against the Warriors, but mm-hmm. it's tough to expect, you know, what we're going to see going forward. Yeah, I, I don't think there's there's any way to expect, other than what you said, he, he's got his core guys that he runs yeah. out in every game. But I don't understand why Jabari is not in the core. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. I also don't understand still why Chris Murray is not playing a single minute of NBA basketball. It's it, yeah. Chauncey's rotations are baffling to me. It's it's just it's such a sign of a guy who has never had to like work on developing a team. You know he's, what I think it is? I think he's had too many games where he has like literally eight healthy bodies that he doesn't know what doesn't to do with the full, full roster. roster. Yeah, <laughs> I think that might be a big part of it. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> is Could that be. he's he's so used to just having like not to make any decisions because you've got the you know the bare minimum about of healthy guys dressing yeah. for a game that when he's got a full, you know, twelve, fifteen man roster basically healthy, he doesn't know what to do. So he's saying like, Hey, I'm gonna push it to nine men tonight. I get I gotta play nine guys <laughs> tonight. Nine. Like, <laughs> you could play ten, man. Yeah, you could play more you're, than ten if six you want. And 19, like, you could you could you could play fifteen. You don't need yeah, you don't need your playoff roster here. Yeah. You don't need your eight man playoff roster. So I just like it, it to to keep going on about his his frustrating rotations, I don't need to see forty minutes of Jeremy Grant anymore. I don't need to see forty minutes of Shade and Sharp either. I don't need to see close to forty minutes of anybody on this team because I don't want to injure these guys. They're your future. You don't know what kind of progressive, potentially season or career-altering injuries, knock on wood, is going to happen by running these guys into the ground so much. And if it comes out and Shaden Sharp is playing, and Chauncey has managed his minutes a little better recently, um, but, you know, he was leading the league in minutes per game. Yeah. And... What happens? I think that's also why you're seeing the struggles right now. Is I think he got fatigued. Yeah, he was of course, of course, carrying he did. a team for the better part of a month. And then you know, how are people going to react if he's playing this much and then tears his ACL or something? You know, people are going to be furious with Chauncey. So why take the risk? We're not competitive this year. Just develop the young guys. Run some plays. Try to develop an offensive and defensive identity, and expand your roster and and get these guys rest. Don't worry about playing them seventy five to eighty percent of every single game, and 
maybe let Chris Murray play a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> five minutes a night, just five. That's all I ask for to start. By the way, uh, Shaden Sharp, uh, as you were knocking on wood, he's officially questionable for tonight's oh. game. Uh, abductor soreness. Okay, well, starting. <laughs> Here we go. Yep. Uh, you got Phoenix tonight. That is in here, right? Yeah, it's yep. here. It's in Portland. Phoenix, uh, Yusuf Nurkic back in town, mm-hmm. face mostly intact um, from an incident that we'll <laughs> talk about in a little bit. Uh, we'll see what's going to be the uh, – I know they played a preseason game. I don't think they – they haven't played a regular season game yet here, but how uh, – what's going to be the response for uh, for Big Nurk when he's introduced tonight, you think? I think it's going to be good. Good? Yeah, yeah, I was at that preseason game, his first one back, and it was, it was pretty overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. I think Blazers fans – and and deservedly so celebrate Yusuf Nurkic because he was a big part of they really this team's identity. really want to like Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, and he, you know he was he was a fun guy to root for because he seemed like a good guy. He was yeah. he was very community focused. People saw him like out and about town yeah. all the time. Yeah. So he was I, a popular guy in the locker room. Yeah, exactly. And you know it just it it it's really a bummer how things went down and how things ended up ending with him because. Never should have gone that way. That that contract he got was was ridiculous, and the injuries and just yeah. it's it's all a bummer. But you know, I I think generally Portland still has a lot of respect for Nurk. I think we're all glad that he's off the team now. But it's a lot easier to yeah, it's, it's a, a lot yeah, easier exactly. to feel good about it yeah. now that you're not having to deal with it yeah. on a night in and yep. night out basis. Now he's Phoenix's problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we will see that tonight. That is uh, seven o'clock right here in Portland as the Blazers. Uh, in a bit of a home stretch, which they have really not had hardly at all this year. They've had an absurd schedule in terms of the amount of road games. I'm not sure how that happens. Uh, but the, right now this will be their fourth home game in a row, and they'll finish off this home stand Thursday night against Jordan Poole and the mighty Ooh. Washington Wizards. Tickets for that game, I'm being told, Sam, via ESPN, are available for as little as $6 um, if you want to go catch that heat. So, you know Jordan's going to be chucking. So if you want to go see Jordan Poole and the Wizards on uh, on Thursday night, you can do it on a budget, no question about it. We're going to take a short little break, and coming up on the other side, we'll have our three questions with a bonus question. Um, that's coming up next here on Blazers Edge Radio on X-Ray FM. Support for X-Ray comes from Beeline Urban Delivery. Beeline supports businesses with access to zero-emission delivery, warehousing, and advertising services. More at b-linepdx.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from New Deal Distillery, located in southeast Portland for over 15 years. New Deal Distillery makes craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. New Deal spirits are available in their tasting room as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. For more information, visit NewDealDistillery.com or their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Spielman Bagels and Coffee. Opened by Rick Spielman and his son Raph, Spielman has been serving handmade boiled and baked bagels and coffee since 2011. Their flagship store can be found on Southeast 21st and Division, or find one of their other shops on Northwest 23rd and Lovejoy, Northeast 22nd and Broadway, or in Multnomah Village. Back at it here on Blazers Edge Radio, 
X-Ray text line is open. Uh, you can hit us up with your thoughts, 971-220-5979. That's 971-220-5979. You want to get your thoughts in on the Blazers the rest of the week, which we're going to talk about right now. Anything else you want to talk about, um, that number, once again, 971-220-5979 on the X-Ray text line. And now it is time for three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. New Deal has been located in Southeast Portland since 2004. They make craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. Their spirits are available in their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street, as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. As always, more information is available at NewDealDistillery.com and and Stephen, what is our first question today? Our first question is, is Draymond Green bad for the NBA? And the NBA, in this case, stands for National Basketball Association, okay. just to be clear. Thanks for the clarify there, Stephen. Um, Draymond Green, Sam, back in the news. We've been alluding to it a couple times. Um, if, you, if you missed it, he had a, uh, a leaping, spinning punch to the face of Yusuf Nurkic. The other night, and the week has said after God knows how many incidents involving Draymond Green, <laughs> enough is enough, and he has been suspended indefinitely with no real indication on what that means, which I guess is kind of the definition of indefinitely. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. we don't know if that like, like, is it forever? Is it is it like a week? <laughs> I, like, yeah. uh, I'd like some kind of yeah a, a, a crumb here to know kind of is a as a. Uh, uh, as someone who has Draymond Green in, in fantasy basketball, it'd be yeah. nice to kind of know, you know, is he is he going to be out the year? Should I well, should I drop? Like, I, I guess I, I'd like a little bit of, of a nugget there. But the, back to the question: Is he bad for the NBA? Uh, at this point, yeah, <laughs> I, think really, so? I think he is because it's it's past the point of like. Oh, Draymond Green's getting fired up and he's amping your team. He's just like He's assaulting people. He's assaulting people. Yeah, he's just I mean, he's he's literally like out of control. Like very literally out of control in, in every sense of the word. So yeah, I I think he is. And you know, when you when you see the league cracking down on on certain players for for questionable antics. Yeah. Um yeah, uh to name kind, one, yeah. kind of Miles Bridges, kind of, yeah. They <laughs> not as much nearly as, they as hard have. on him, yeah. but yeah, maybe suspend him indefinitely, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, or just kick him out of the league. Um, Canada kicked, kicked out him of Canada. It's <laughs> a start. <laughs> I love that. Maybe we can kick um, him out of Portland. How about yeah. that? Ooh, that'd be nice. That'd if be Miles nice. Bridges can't come here, can't yeah. land at PDX. But yeah, Draymond, I I don't know. He, he's got to figure something out. Yeah, I mean, I like Draymond. Yeah, I like the energy he plays with, but yeah, he's he's really forced the league's hand here because yeah. you know they didn't want to do this because um, they love the Warriors, mm-hmm. obviously, right? That's yeah. a big brand for them. They yep. don't want to break up the Warriors, but it got it's gotten to a point where it's like, dude work with us <laughs> like right. we're, we've given you so much leeway and you just keep doing it and what and so i don't know i hope this i hope that this is a wake-up call for him and he can still play with his typical aggression but not be like this like out of right. like again assaulting people like there's a difference between playing hard you know playing tough playing tough defense getting a little physical and you know 
punching guys in the face. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he needs to he needs to find that line. He's clearly crossed that line beyond the point of return, as it appears. He's got to see if he can find his way back. And I just wonder now if he does come back and if he's, you know, maybe a little gun shy. What kind of player is he going to be? Because he's a yeah. guy who really feeds off of that energy. And if you you neutralize that a little bit, what does that mean for him going forward? So I'm very curious to see how this plays out. I don't think he's bad for the league as a whole. I think that type of player is actually really good for the league. Uh, you know, it, it, it in com- intensity, competition. But he's gotten to. He's gone. He's just he's gone a step too far. Yeah. And that has been bad for the league. And that's something the league does not want to roll back into with their history with such incidents. Yep. Steven? There is a lot of parallels you can draw between him and um, I'm liking another thing, Dennis Rodman. Hmm. Dennis Rodman had a strong-handed coach, father figure, Chuck Daly, and when that team, start, the wheels started to fall off the wagon and their championship window closed, he got more unpredictable. Yeah. Then he went to another coach on a competitive team that he respected and he was okay again. And I think Draymond's in the same situation. He's a high IQ, basketball IQ guy. He is very bad at holding his emotions in check and his shtick works on a team that's going to win, but when a team's going to lose and especially when he goes extreme and actually punches someone in the face, it, you know, he's gone too far. Is Steve Kerr an enabler? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I think for as good of a coach as he is, he's too much of a player coach, I feel like. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he, yeah, he, you get, you mentioned the strong handed coach, Stephen, with the Chuck Daly. That's not Steve Kerr. No. And I don't think that that's helped Draymond Green. I think Draymond Green, Green has basically been given the license to do whatever he wants. Mm hmm. And Draymond Green's the kind of guy you can't give a license and do whatever he wants because things like this happen. Yep. Um, so I think, yeah, you've got to look at Steve Kerr, too, and he's got to, you know, really step up and be the coach here and, and get through to him and say, like, dude, you can't be doing this. Right, right. This yeah. is when he's got to really, you know, put his foot down yeah, as a coach. Yeah, he's got to take some accountability for the situation. Yeah. I, don't th- I think there's only one coach who could handle him, which is actually um, if he goes to San Antonio. Pop. He- yeah, Popovich is the only one who can handle him, I yeah. think. And and if he, and with Webinyama there, he might have like he might focus because he goes like we have a chance to win. But he, Golden State, I think his time there is done. You think it's done? Oh yeah, I mean, because because their their championship window's closing and he can't. He's the wheels are falling off his wagon. Yeah, you think San Antonio would bother with that though? Maybe. I'm not sure at this point. I'm rolling the dice on that. Yeah, probably San not. Anto- if I'm a if I'm a competitive team, yes. If I'm a rebuilding team, no. Yeah, if San Antonio is winning games, then then maybe. Um, but if you had the Blazers with Damian Lillard, yes, you roll the dice yes. on that. You roll the court. dice on. You're the Blazers with Scoot Henderson, probably not. Yeah. Uh, question number two. Question number two. More antics. I love this question. Is Giannis still a likable figure? Giannis had a bit of a blow-up, Sam. Uh, yeah, he did. Lost his mind uh, when the uh, Pacers apparently stole the game. Well, not stole the game ball, but they took the game ball for Oscar Shibway, who scored his first career point on the same night that Giannis on the Kumpo set the Bucks record uh, with 64 points the other night and uh, went chasing after guys in the locker room. You know, you saw the veins bulging in the neck and the biceps and everywhere else. 
Uh, we've seen kind of these incidents with him now a couple times. I may think back to the latter incident last year when he was trying to get some shots up after this game. <laughs> Clearly right. has a little bit of a anger problem. But damn it, he's just still so damn likable to me that I can't say that he's not a likable figure, and I still love him even despite some of these weird incidents that seem to set him off. Yeah. I think he's got a bit of an anger issue, but I don't know. I still view him as like this Greek teddy bear almost, because <laughs> you know his soft yeah. voice. He's very kind of with his voice. He, he's very kind of jokey and. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't reconcile it. I, I I can't I can't hate him. I'll tell you, it actually makes me like him more. <laughs> okay. Um because what the Pacers did is so tacky and and so it's it's just like it's it's the most petty thing you could have done is on a night where you're playing in Milwaukee, you lose the game. Giannis breaks the franchise record, and you go take the game ball. Well, Oscar scored his first point, saying that's their tradition. (laughs) I'm, I'm so glad Giannis went after this because it's so stupid. Like these guys need to be held accountable. And then the fact that they gave him just another ball. (laughs) I do love that he even pointed out that that they gave me a ball. I don't think it's the real ball. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I what I love about Giannis is that he's not cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's what what makes me like this more yeah. is it, it humanizes him even more. Yeah, like most guys would have just been at eh, whatever. I don't yeah. care. Like he's like, no, I re- actually really do care. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he's not afraid to say it. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. And also, I think this is great for the league because you look at Pacers are an up and coming team. Mm-hmm. The Bucks are kind of at that top of the mountain there. Yeah, you imagine these teams meet up in the playoffs. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You got to imagine oh, yeah. this is going to come. Gonna you just good. get some extra juice into it, yep. right? So. I'm all for it. I I love this kind of thing, to be honest. Yeah, and you know, it. I know he's getting clowned for it, and um, you know, certainly I would say overreacting. But yeah, yeah I I I, st- I still view him as a likable figure. Yeah. Uh, question number three. I just wanted to point out that uh, against the Pacers, the Bucks. So one of the Pacers tackled Giannis, and his brother freaked out and had to the be held. Yeah, yeah, had to be held back because they were beating up his baby brother, and you know. I think that the the Antetokounmpo's they bring a lot to the NBA. You gotta like them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Third question: Has Kyrie finally learned his lesson? Okay. Another thing we've been talking about a little bit. Um, Kyrie Irving recently sat down with Rachel Nichols, Sam, and uh, uttered the following quote: "I've learned how to not touch the stove when it's hot." <laughs> This is from the uh, the voice of a generation, Mr. Kyrie Irving, um, Sam. Now, most people learn not to touch. The, most people don't touch the stove to begin with. Yeah. Others, you know, learn the first time. A few more learn the second time. Kyrie's, you know, 31. So he's, he's touched the stove a few times now. But now he says that, that he understands that. You can't touch it when it's hot anymore, and that apparently he's putting these uh, shenanigans behind him. Are you buying it? First of all, just the fact that he compared himself to something that most people learn when they're like infants. <laughs> like he, you learned that the stove is hot when you're very, very young and you don't touch it. <laughs> like the fact that that's his comparison is hilarious to me. 
Uh, second of all, the fact that he's saying that makes me believe that he's about to do something <laughs> crazy. <laughs> he's giving us a warning. <laughs> like, you think I went away, right? Yeah. Watch yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he's on the media circuit makes me very nervous. Well, he's not playing now. He's going to yep. have some more time on his hands. Got time this to is formulate some thoughts. This is when he starts uh, researching, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're about T-minus about a week before yeah. we get another Kyrie Let's get bomb. It. It's yeah. overdue. Yeah, it's it's, it's it is way overdue. overdue. And I think he knows it, too. And I think he's... <laughs> I don't think he can help himself, and that's why. Maybe he's yeah. just so self-aware that he's just trolling everybody at this point. He might be. I don't think he can help himself. No, I don't think he can. I think it. it's coming, especially now that I think about it, because he is sitting out now yeah. with the injury. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. He's got a lot of time on it's his coming. hands. It's coming. He's... he's feverishly googling right now <laughs> you know I, as an old person i could tell you this there comes a point where people think you're being more mature yeah it's just that your your reflexes get so slow that you can't even do the outrageous thing you would have done normally because you can't get to any time and i think that that's probably what's happening with Kyrie way more than any level of maturity it's just he's slowing down he's slowing down he's doing stupid tough stuff too late does not showing up so are you buying it steven i think that you're right i think Kyrie's just reloading he'll do something else stupid but he's going to do less stuff stupid because he's just not going to get to it quickly enough mm. Mm. i just feel like we've heard this conversation from Kyrie so many times of like oh i'm maturing now mm -hmm. i'm growing up yeah like are you really i think you're just kind of the same person you've always been <laughs> same story just different trying to day. sound wise yep no, he does love to sound. Nobody loves to sound wise more than Kyrie Irving. <laughs> We've learned that. All right. Uh, question number four. Bonus question. Okay. I th So I think that Kyrie is on edge because he knows there's a new sheriff in town. Okay. Which yeah. leads into this question. How will Portlanders destroy Rob the RoboCop? Uh, Portland has a new, uh, as Stephen mentioned, sheriff in town, Sam. It is uh, Rob the RoboCop, a R2-D2 looking guy, 420-pound uh, Robot. He is five feet five inches tall. He is uh, apparently right now, I guess, patrolling the uh, perimeter of the U.S. Bank Corp Tower to uh, protect a new mural. I guess from graffiti or <laughs> something. Um, and he comes with uh, two-way intercom for communication, so he can he can yell at you, I guess, and, right. and fight back. And thermal imaging, 360 degree. High resolution digital camera with recording capabilities, so he's he's spying on you too. Uh -huh. And he's also got a PA speaker so that he can issue warnings or other uh, helpful information. Um, so how do you how do you see this going with the state of the state of the city, Sam? Yeah, an un, uh, <laughs> a poor R two D two roaming around the streets with no uh, with no adult chaperone. Yeah, you know those electric scooters. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, He's gonna get scooters. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's what's gonna. It's happen. gonna be where are you gonna see Rob? You know, <laughs> trashed in some ditch somewhere. Yeah, exactly. For <laughs> I mean, who could have possibly thought this was a good idea? Oh yeah, it's it's so obviously a bad idea. Again, like he's he's essentially a, a four hundred pound mobile security camera. Yeah, and most people who are causing a ruckus. Don't really care about no. security cameras that much. Or they just break the cameras. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're gonna break I mean, the all rock. they have to do is put a piece of tape over his camera. 
Well, don't be giving. Okay, yeah, ideas sorry, I'm not, I'm not. But I'm I fully expect to, to walk out there and just see Rob like just disheveled on the just on sideways. the sidewalk. Yeah, his wheels rolling. Just <laughs> wheels rolling. Yeah. Help. 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 <laughs> Putting out the distress signal. All right, that That's was a terrible idea. <laughs> But it is funny. It is uh, funny. It is funny. All right. That was a uh, somewhat lighthearted three slash four questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. Quick programming note. Uh, we'll be taking, you know, we work pretty hard here, Sam, yeah. uh, with our one day a week. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be taking tough. the next two weeks off. Uh, celebrate kind of the holidays yeah. and refresh a little bit and uh, give us a chance to not rail on the Blazers for a couple of weeks. We'll be back at it on January 9th. So we'll be we'll be off for the next two weeks, day after Christmas and the day after New Year's Day. And we'll be back at it Tuesday, January 9th. So with that in mind, as we're kind of looking at the upcoming schedule here, I mentioned you're wrapping up your homestand here, Phoenix and Washington. Uh, Phoenix tonight, Washington Thursday. Uh, you're back at Golden State on Saturday night. They will clearly still be without Draymond Green there. And then uh, before the new year, back home, a three-game homestand. Sacramento Kings, who are looking solid. And then you got a uh, a back-to-back against, hopefully, Victor Wembignana and the San Antonio Spurs. So clearly a lot of, you know, winnable games here. If you look uh, with Washington and Sacramento, you know, a fellow seller dwellers in the league and then you know more competitive teams like sacramento you know who knows what's going on with phoenix with bradley beal out uh yeah uh, and then you know golden state's got their issues as well but in that stretch you know you're looking at one team that's like a solid in sacramento so a lot of winnable games here but we talked about it's not really about the wins and losses um so what are you looking for kind of out of this stretch to to close out the calendar year i want to see continued development from scoot i've been very encouraged in what i'm seeing already let's just keep that train rolling and maybe give chris murray a couple minutes just just a couple that's all i ask over under how many how many minutes does chris murray there are one two three four five six seven eight nine there's ten games until our next show on Tuesday, January 9th. How many total minutes? How many total minutes does Chris Murray play in that stretch? Ten. Ten for ten for ten. Yeah. How many games? Two. Two? Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say eleven minutes. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking the under. <laughs> and I'm gonna those. say three games. <laughs> okay. Okay. Out of ten. I don't think he plays a minute. Okay. I think I think Chauncey's listening in, and he's saying, "You know what? <laughs> I'm tired of that guy trying to tell me how to do my job." Well, we do do a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we do. <laughs> well, I thought, yeah, I like to see some different rotations. Continue to mix things up if guys yeah. continue to stay healthy, get more, you know, better utilize this roster. So that's what I'm looking for. And don't run them into the ground. And don't run them into the ground as well, specifically Shaden Sharp, yep. who is probably dealing with the effects of some fatigue right now. But so we will be back at it. Uh, better than ever in uh, a couple weeks here. We'll be back on a Tuesday, January 9th. Hope everybody has a, a great holiday season. This has been a, a presentation of Blazers Edge Radio, and we look forward to uh, bringing you a lot more uh, starting in 2024. So with that, um, goodbye for now, but stick around because uh, there's a lot more on X-Ray FM coming up. As right now, we've got Flying Saucer Safari. Stay with us.